This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111. Hi, welcome back to Dollars and Change, Sirius XM 111, powered by the Wharton School. And I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm Nick Ashburn. (laughs) Nick does that a lot. (laughs) And we are here live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10. So we've just had some, you know, a couple of really interesting discussions about brand risk and and socioeconomic factors. And then uh, uh, a real interesting one about uh, uh, real estate and how by investing in these individual homes for middle-income people can really stabilize a neighborhood and, and bring you great returns. And so we, we liked talking about that. That was with the Steinbridge Group. So now we're going to be talking to Elizabeth Cushing, who's the president of Play, Playworks, and we'll be talking about, about fun. I'm having and fun already. And, all of that. and then at 9.30, we uh, have our open segment where we'd be delighted to to hear from some of our audience about some of the topics that they might want to hear about or uh, issues in the news that are are, are relevant for them. Or follow up on questions that they may not have gotten to ask our guests. Exactly. And uh, you can call us then at 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Good. So, um, we were joking about... Playworks and recess and fun and and how we don't have recess at work anymore. I mean, not making fun of playworks, no, no, but rather no. <laughs> discussing that we we should have more play at work. We as should well. have more play at work, we especially should. during the summer. Um, so tell us, what does playworks do? And then we'll talk about the uh, the research that shows why the work you do is important. At play, yes, at playworks we know that kids learn really valuable life skills through play. They just naturally learn how to cooperate, uh, how to solve problems, how to accept disappointment. All of those skills are part of playing games on the playground. And it's pretty easy, actually, to get kids playing so that they learn these skills. Uh, But many schools uh, over time have lost uh, the emphasis on play or the the investment in play, and some of that skill building has really fallen away. So Playworks partners with elementary schools all over the country, and we teach them how to inspire play on the playground, games like Foursquare and Tag and Kickball, all in an effort to give kids that opportunity to learn those life skills that we as adults really want everyone that we're working with and uh, living in neighborhoods with to have. And so I want to set up the context because I can imagine our uh, our listeners are like, well, yeah, research, recess, like you go out, you play. Yeah, I played kickball, I played Foursquare, et cetera. But I think what you guys are doing is really saying, like, how can that be more constructive, more productive? You know, what we're having fun, it's the same, it's the traditional things we may know about, but like, how are we building team building skills or like combating bullying? Are, are those the types of things that you also do? Yes, we, we do those things. I think that the context is important, too, to recognize that, a large number of kids are not either living in communities where it's safe to be playing outside unsupervised, as I did as a child. Yeah, we all did, uh, I think. And even the scheduling of kids into activities has taken away a lot of that informal playtime uh, that 
used to be a part of every afternoon and every weekend. So a lot of kids come to school, and yes, they have recess, albeit not a lot of time spent in recess, and they don't know how to start a game on their own. They don't know how to resolve the inevitable disagreements that come in about whether the ball was in or out, and they don't know how to include everyone in the game. And so in some cases, recess has become not that fun. Uh, and if it's not fun, they're not going to be learning these skills like cooperation, teamwork, and resolving conflicts that we really want them to learn. So Playwork uh, teaches schools how to set up their playground and how to inspire play. I think it's important to say that we don't make kids play. That's not what Playworks is about. We help Have fun, damn it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. We help kids. We help teachers and staff at school become super fun people to play with, and kids will join into any game really that they're invited into. And how do teachers respond to this? And my my the reason behind my question is, I can imagine as a teacher, it's a really busy day, and recess mm-hmm. is sort of like have fun, kids. <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. plan, or I'm, I'm gonna check out for five exactly. minutes or whatever. How you know? How do you work with teachers, and what's that reception? Yeah, teachers are inherently dedicated to those kids, right? So they they want to have relationships with the kids in their classroom that are positive and productive. And what we see happen is when we go out to a school and we train a group of teachers in our games. At first, sometimes they're a little hesitant because playing as an adult can feel like something maybe we're not supposed to do anymore. And maybe we're not supposed to do that so much. But within the first couple of minutes of playing alongside a Playworks coach, teachers relax. They have fun. They realize that by playing with each other as adults, they actually are building their relationship. They're getting to know their fellow teachers better. And then when they go back to their classrooms and try out our games with the kids, immediately the vibe in their classroom improves. It becomes more fun for everyone. And the kids start to respond to them in a more positive way, which makes teaching and learning more fun and more likely to be successful. Well, that sounds like a a, a kind of big impact for just playing on the playground during recess. What? I know you've done had some research and measurement on on the impact of this. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it is surprising, which is why I'm happy to be talking to you because I think we all know that play is good. But what Playworks has figured out is that play is super powerful. We yeah. can we can produce some things we really care about. So yes, we've had a randomized control trial and dozens of evaluations done on Playworks impact for kids. And the highlights of those results include a significant drop in bullying, a 43% less bullying in Playworks schools compared to control schools. And what that means is that the kids who may have bullied in the past are typically doing it because they're left out of play. They're left out of the games and doesn't feel good. And Mm. they figured out that the way to get interaction with others is by being unkind. Well, when you create an environment where every kid's invited into the game, it's fun, and you can count on your fellow students to kind of follow the Playworks rules, then there's no need to bully. So bully, bullying really evaporates in our schools. Um, That's fascinating. The other results, yeah, the other results, and, well, and I want to say it's really important, this isn't targeted at particular students. It's available to every kid. 
every kid on the playground gets to play, and that's what makes it work. Uh, other results include increased physical activity, which you would expect, yep, yep. Uh, and a faster transition from the playground to classroom learning. So teachers, before PlayWorks is at a school, will waste a lot of time after recess trying to negotiate the conflicts that happen on the playground. And with a PlayWorks coach or with our training in place, kids come back to the classroom happy and focused and ready to learn, which is what we all want for them, right? And then the last real um, outcome we're super proud of is that kids feel safer at PlayWorks schools. They know that they'll be included in the game. There won't be name-calling. They won't be bullied. And feeling safer at school is critical to being ready to learn. So how does a school become a PlayWorks partner or, you know, is it just going to your website, applying and getting you guys hired? What, how, you know, how might our listeners access your services? Yes, I'm super excited to share that uh, there are multiple ways that any school can access PlayWorks. So one way is to reach out to us on our website and we can come and we can provide our training service to your school. Our trainers travel all over the country, and that's a service that schools pay for. The other way, though, is a new uh, free online resource called Recess Lab, and we offer very short videos to teach schools how to do the PlayWorks way uh, via video. And we've had enormous feedback from these videos because they're so practical. We're having teachers email us every day saying, I've tried this. It's working in my classroom. Thank you so much. And Recess Lab even includes a very short, about a two-minute quiz that any teacher or principal can take uh, reflecting on their own recess to help us determine which resources to point them to. And that quiz gives principals and teachers a chance to really reflect on what play is like at their school and learn a little bit about what what we're trying to propose they do in the, in the classroom. So I suggest that your listeners go to recesslab.org and see what they can use there. Well, and it's so helpful to have the, the uh, RCT information and, and the impact measurements that you talked about because I can imagine a teacher or principal saying, I don't have time to think about recess. I've got to get these test mm-hmm. scores up, and I've got to make sure the kids are learning this kind of stuff. I've got to focus on the really important stuff, not the play. Right. Right. And so you're yep. you're sort of being able to say uh, play is important, and it is going to help the rest of those. Yes. Agree. Yes, absolutely. And uh, a big part of what Recess Lab does is point to some of those studies and testimonials from teachers and principals to to inspire teachers who may be skeptical about spending time this way. Now, I will say that that teachers are pretty easy to convince once they take a look at the videos and the testimonials to see how play would improve the experience of school for their kids. When you talk to business people, however, it's a little harder, right, to explain how play is a valuable uh, strategy for improving productivity in the workplace, but we actually do this too. We play with uh, corporate teams to help them build cooperation and conflict resolution skills and the ability to be productive together. And play does work with adults too if you can get them over that initial uh, skepticism about it being a real thing. Uh, But once we get adults playing, we actually find the results are the same. 
You know, I'm glad that you brought that up because when you were describing how teachers engage with their students in play as well and with other teachers, my immediate thought was, so in my past life being sort of an out-of-school educator, thinking about even icebreakers and those types of <laughs> those types of activities where if you're the facilitator or you're on the other end, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this. But, you know, on as the educator, I knew that if you did it, it's going to be a better outcome. But just that first skepticism or getting people to engage – I mean, maybe my co-host isn't the biggest fan of these things, so. I tell my team I'm never going to do a trust fall. <laughs> so. uh, well, let me, let, me give you, let me give you something to try. So okay. one, of the, one of the things we do at Playworks in our meetings, and we espouse this as a fantastic strategy for building rapport on teams, is check-in questions. So you do a check-in question at the beginning of the meeting. And the check-in Cheryl's question, taking notes. I, I am. The check-in question is not related to the work you're going to do. And it's typically not, how are you feeling today, in one word. What it is is something fun or silly um, and not, not serious. So, for example, a check-in question is, what was your first concert? This is a Britney Spears. Britney Spears. And when you go around the table and everyone answers that question, there's laughter, there's uh, there's camaraderie, there are people saying, wow, really? And you start to see each other as whole people who have interests and backgrounds and histories. And you start treating each other differently. Now that I know that Britney Spears was your first concert, I think I think you're kind of a fun person. And so I'm going to interact with you differently. And that's not that scary of an icebreaker, but it has powerful impact. Cheryl, what was yours? I think it was Jerry Jeff Walker down in Texas. Nice. <laughs> See, we're, we're already we're, we we are building rapport and having camaraderie within the Dollars and Change Studio here. There you go. Exactly. That's a, that is a great that's a great opportunity. And you know, Cheryl, it's funny. I, I, we we have re, a really good team cohesion. But you know what? We're bringing on new people yes. right now. Um, and so also just sort of broader team building. I mean, let's let's look at this. This is super interesting. And and I think this is a good segue, not segue, but reminder of like why why, why play works on dollars and change. You know, this is business radio powered by the Wharton School. But, you know, I think learning outcomes and, and corporate learning is also a huge um, expenditure. And mm-hmm. how do you if teams work more effectively, things for the bottom line, um, how are you know, you you have the RCTs from the um, from the school work. What? Are you guys working on evaluating, you know, the the more business and corporate work? We actually have not done formal evaluation of the corporate work. What we have done is gathered feedback from the companies that we have worked with. So Salesforce, for example, PricewaterhouseCoopers have hired us over multiple years with their teams because the feedback from the employees is so overwhelmingly positive. Employees come back and say, that was the most fun, authentic fun I've had with our team ever. And you didn't expect me to come back with a higher level of creativity. (laughs) You, You just let me get to know my colleagues and have some fun. And now I want to work with them um, with more enthusiasm. And so because these companies have uh, asked us to come in and do this for them over multiple years across the country, and there are, there are a dozen of them at least, it is to us proof that the impact is in fact what these companies want. I think if you 
if you look at, in fact, I get asked to speak at HR conferences now because there's such a conversation going on in the corporate sector around uh, corporate culture. How do we make our culture more supportive of employees, more inclusive uh, and more productive all at the same time? And our work really aligns with that trend. Uh, so I think we're going to see more and more companies asking for help here because being playful is, is not a core competency of many of these workplaces. You're listening to Dollars and Change, Sirius XM 111, powered by the Wharton School, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We are talking with Elizabeth Cushing, who is the president of Playworks, about the importance of play and having fun and the, the sort of ripple effects that that, that can have. And so, um, Elizabeth, I wanted to transition a little bit. You know, we, we talked about the PlayWorks model, how it's working in schools and how you engage with teachers. We sort of transitioned to how your your work is bled into working in the corporate sector. And now you're being asked to speak at HR conferences. Let's talk about PlayWorks as an organization, as a business. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's your background, you know? Are you an expert in play? Are you an MBA that came to run this organization? What's your background? Well, thanks for asking. Uh, I have an undergraduate degree in human biology, more more the human than the biology from Stanford. <laughs> and and then I, I did the Coro Fellowship in Public Affairs, which is a small uh, public affairs yeah. experiential fellowship for a year. And I came out of that and really wanted to work in social change. My skills are generalist skills, like I'm a writer, I'm a project manager, uh, I'm a strategic thinker, and I just immediately went into the nonprofit sector and I had several experiences of running programs, but where I I really found um, my kind of flow is when I came to PlayWorks and there was an opportunity to grow. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation reached out to PlayWorks and said, we're trying to find a way to, to scale physical activity in schools, and we heard of you. Why don't you put together a plan for growing? And I was part of the team that did that and then eventually was made president. So I've been at PlayWorks for almost 14 years. And what I have learned on the job, I, I like to say, no, I don't have an MBA, but I'm pretty sure I do now. <laughs> sure. Is, is that running Playworks is running a business. We have a $45 million budget. About 60% of our revenue is earned revenue from schools and government, both uh, who are paying Playworks to deliver its innovation into schools. So we have to manage salespeople. We have to manage collections. We have to manage delivering high-quality customer service all of the things that are true about any business. Uh, and so I have learned how to manage that uh, and the leadership team. Uh, it's not all, you know, warm and fuzzy nonprofit do-gooding. <laughs> yeah, nonprofit is, is hard. It is hard. And we. what's interesting, too, uh, we've brought several uh, for-profit folks into the team. And what's interesting is to watch them grapple with the balance between delivering impact which is why we exist to one group of people, but raising money mm-hmm. and delivering a sense of uh, of impact from donors. So we have 
we have more than one bottom line and more than one group of uh, beneficiaries or customers who we're trying to serve. And uh, that creates a complex uh, environment for making decisions. In, it, we have been growing every year. And uh, so one of the things we also have to balance is risk. And what do we know about the external environment? Uh, how can we project about that external environment and still try to meet the ever-growing demand from school principals for our support? If I, if I had $100 million, maybe I could meet the demand that we have coming at us every day. But since I don't, we have to figure out how to reasonably and responsibly grow to meet the needs of the customers who are coming to us. Well, and, and you bring up a really good point in those last couple of pieces, thinking through when you're in the nonprofit space, you know, the the impact that you're having is not necessarily coming directly. I mean, in your case, perhaps with the revenue streams, but, you know, oftentimes when you're uh, dependent or, or largely dependent on philanthropy and government, they're purchasing impact in some senses, but you're mm-hmm. the people that you're benefiting are not the ones paying. Right. And so it really does set up this interesting dichotomy around, you know, how you are paying for impact. And I think as in my role, as we think about impact investing and innovative financing models in the nonprofit space or how we're delivering impact, you know, that's, that's sort of the crux of it is who's buying the impact. Is it the direct okay. beneficiary? Is it an investor? Is it a philanthropist or is it government? Right. Well, in, in our case, in a single school that we're serving, we, we do have multiple services, and so it depends on which service they have. But in in some cases, in a single school, we can be using – the revenue can include the school paying for the service themselves, a straight-up customer, plus an AmeriCorps member, which is government, mm-hmm. plus donors who are paying for a third-party payer for that service. And, and we have all of those audiences to meet their expectations. Right. And the way the way that Playworks does that is by delivering the impact we promise. We absolutely deliver it, and we we deliver it with a smile and some fun. And as as long as we focus on making sure that we're delivering that impact, those audiences are all satisfied. Uh, which is why we dedicate a lot to evaluation and quality assurance inside Playworks. Uh, because that's critical to our continued success. And just out of curiosity, we're, we're, what's the profile of, of your schools? How many are mm-hmm. urban? How many are, you know, sort of suburban? Sure. So our, um, any school can access Playworks, as I said before. Any school can right. hire Playworks to train. We have, a, we have schools concentrated in 23 metropolitan areas where we have staff on the ground. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a large percentage of our schools are low-income schools because we're using, um, we're raising money to serve them. Uh, but we also have middle and upper-income schools who are paying us to train them because they also recognize the impact of play on the kids' experience every day. So, the the income level of our schools is uh, is very wide. Um, and I, I will say that what's interesting is that the lack of play is as prevalent in middle and upper income schools as it is in low income schools. This is not a low income school problem. Um, it's actually pretty broad. We've, we've done surveys of schools and matched them up with their 
uh, income data and and really seen that um, that it's a broad problem, which is why we designed services that were available to any school anywhere. And so, uh, is is the play focus largely outside? Is it going to be done inside mm-hmm. in the gym? Or where, where where are we playing when we're playing? Yeah, play we works? play we play inside too. So we have some great photos from. Uh, snowy states like uh, Minnesota and uh, Massachusetts where in the winter uh, actually that's a time of year when demand for playworks really spikes because teachers and principals are uh, running out of ideas. And kids uh, are bouncing off the walls. And kids yeah. are bouncing off the walls. So we actually have a training called Indoor Recess where we focus on how to safely uh, organized play in a gym or a multi-purpose room and what games really work well indoors in order to keep the kids having fun and, and being physically active in the winter months. So that's an expertise that we are the go-to people for. Uh, and we often publish every winter. Here are the indoor recess games that we recommend because there's so much need for it. And Elizabeth, you know, you were so helpful in giving us a, an overview of sort of the different business functions and things that you have to consider and the skills that you probably need on your team. When you're thinking about designing the programs, designing the, I guess, curriculum, what are the types of backgrounds that really go into creating successful play scenarios and um, activities? Is it, you know, you have an, a, a human biology background? Is it uh-huh. early childhood education or, you know... What are the types of things that might go into creating a successful program for you folks? Yeah, so there are two types, I think, of people that that do this well. So the first source of new games or adaptations of games, uh, for example, we've adapted some games for kids with disabilities. So the first source for that is actually uh, staff who are at recess, people who are on on recess playgrounds right now, either as school staff or playwork staff who who are seeing the problem and they develop their own solution in the field. So that's one source. And it, so those are educators, right? Those are people who are playing with kids. Uh, the folks that Playworks hires to be coaches on the playground typically are folks who are camp counselors, uh, you know, in summer camps or in or in rec departments across the country. Uh, not necessarily early childhood education, though a lot of our staff do go on to be teachers. They come to Playworks right out of college, and then they go on to be the teaching programs, which we love because they're taking the Playworks way into their classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, the other kind of person who we have on staff in our national team are people who like to experiment. So we've learned to, uh, when we're developing a new service, to take our ideas and prototype them with principals or teachers to go out and show them what we're thinking and then interview them about whether this meets their need or not and to adjust kind of an ongoing iteration, much like you'd see in uh, in design thinking or in human-centered design. So we use that process of uh, prototype get feedback, redesign, try again to develop new services. And we've found that that's enabled us to really accelerate how long it takes us to get a new idea out into the field. Uh, And we're doing it with more success because it's got customer feedback built into the process. Interesting. So, Elizabeth, you've been with Playworks, you said, almost 14 years. It's a long Mm -hmm. time. And one of the things I was thinking about um, at a topic that is sort of in the news a little bit is, 
kids and too much time on their phones, right? That yeah. they're, they are, you know, wired onto their phone and not paying attention to anything else and playing games on that. Have you seen any, any changes in, in kids over those 13 years? Is it, is it just as easy to get them away from their phones to play during recess? Or are you having are your Playworks coaches finding kids who won't put down their phone because they're too busy getting to the next level of some, some game? Yeah. Um, well, so I, I can answer this question both as a play worker, but also as a parent <laughs> of, of five kids. Uh, kids will drop their phones immediately to jump in a game. If the game is open and welcoming, it's pretty easy. It's just so fun. You hear the laughing and you just want to be part of it. I have seen as a parent that it's gotten harder over the course of the last decade to get my kids to put down that phone and listen to me. But if I, when I'm talking to them, but if I am, am saying, let's, let's go play, my kids drop their phones because the interaction with each other and with me, that's fun is just what they'd rather be doing. They don't even have to think about it. Play is such an uh, intrinsic behavior. Uh, If you think about it, it's survived millions of years of evolution, right? Here's a behavior we still do. We still are willing to do it, even if it means we're going to lose and have our feelings hurt. There's something really inherent about it in human beings. And all Playworks is doing is tapping that that evolutionarily built behavior for good. So I, I think it could be one of the best antidotes to the uh, the digital addiction that we see. Well, today. you're certainly making us want to go out and, go out and play. <laughs> well, go out and play now. And as a prospective parent, I'm like, I should probably look into this. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, I think it'll be great for parenting too. Well, yeah, Elizabeth, good. Elizabeth, we're coming to the end of the segment. Do you have any sort of word of advice for for schools that are thinking about implementing Playworks? Yeah, I think my suggestion is try it on because it's uh, if you go to Recess Lab, check out these really short videos, take one of them, try the games with uh, your kids, and just see what happens. Uh, I think you'll be surprised, pleased, uh, and that'll give you uh, some energy for, for doing more of it. We find that that the idea of trying something on exposes uh, us to new ideas, and and I think that's what this is going to take. And do you also have uh, suggestions for corporate folks on your your website? Yeah, come play with us. If you come <laughs> to playworks.org, uh, there's a, a landing page there where you can see what we're all about, and we would love to come introduce you to not only our check-in questions, but some fun games too, and and your teams will thank you for the opportunity. That's great. Nick, did you have a question? I or? did not. I'm oh, okay. just I'm really excited about what you are doing. I've heard of Playworks quite a bit, but I don't think I had fully wrapped my head around Everything all of the on. things that you're doing. So thanks so much for joining us. Great. It was fun talking with you. Wonderful. We've been talking with Elizabeth Cushing as a Playworks. We're going to take a short break. And then when we come back, we'll have our open segment. If you want to have uh, some questions, you can give us a call at 1-844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. And Nick and I will recap what we've learned from our guests. So. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 